0: So today we start a new series. Um, and it's a series that's a little bit different than our typical series around here. One it's slightly shorter, three weeks. Uh, this week, skipping next week for Missions Fest, which is gonna be great. And then two more weeks uh, back to this uh, Psalm series. And more unique in this series is that we as preachers, communicators, teachers during this series, we got to choose whatever Psalm we wanted to, to preach upon, right? So it's kind of like, you know, preacher's choice, preacher's pick, Psalm Fest, or as we've been calling behind the scenes, Psalmapalooza, which is my personal favorite. Now, all this is to your benefit. One reason is to your benefit because it allows you to get, get to know us as staff and pastors of Christ Church. Because I'm actually literally excited to hear why my coworkers, my fellow pastors, my friends, chose the Psalms they did. It's gonna be an insight, I think, into our own hearts and minds and souls of why this Psalm at this time in my life. Um, in fact, I actually want to set up coffees with my colleagues, I already have that in motion, and you know, feel free, I, you know me, I love coffee, I love breakfast. Uh, so hit me up. I'd love to share more of why I chose this as well, so feel free to do that. Uh, You have that invitation. Now, also, having this structure on Sunday mornings means this. Folks, it's not a one-and-done Sunday, meaning this. You don't come to this service. You heard your service. Check. You leave. Don't do that. I know none of you do that anyway, but I encourage you. I strongly invite you to not only be fully present to this message, but then this week sometime, go to our website, go to the Christ Church Connect app, download the other messages because you're gonna have a series of Psalms different. Every venue is a different Psalm each week. So take advantage of that and see what God's gonna do with you and in you through those Psalms. In fact, today, my colleagues, Dave Bianchin is speaking in classic on Psalm 1, and Charlie Browning over at Butterfield campus uh, is speaking on Psalm 119. Again, two great passages uh, you're not gonna wanna miss. Also, since we're doing a series on the Psalms here, I just wanna spend a few moments giving us a little bit of background, setting the stage for us and understanding of what the Psalms are all about, and then slowly move into Psalm 139, which is what I will be sharing on today. So I start with this pro tip. And the pro tip is this. I use this every time I approach a Bible study, especially a new book of the Bible that I'm reopening. And that is I go to BibleProject.com. I either go to YouTube and just do a search BibleProject.com or BibleProject Psalms or BibleProject.com and on their own website, look up their overview of the Psalms. If you're not familiar with the Bible Project, get familiar with it. It is absolutely amazing. Their claim to fame is short, little synopsis video on every book of the Bible. They have an amazing podcast. They have amazing teachings right there on the website. Um, I can't get enough of it myself. So do that. Watch the video. When you watch the video this week on the Psalms, you're going to discover an important truth I want us to keep in mind today and throughout this series is that even though we are kind of picking and choosing these different Psalms, what they do so beautifully at Bible Project is they show you the overall arc of the scriptures. They show you no matter if it's Old Testament, New Testament, there's an overall arc going on that God has created for us. And that overall arc always encourages us towards more intimacy with Jesus, always. From Genesis to Revelation, it always is pushing us towards more intimacy with Jesus. And we're gonna be seeing that here today. Psalm 1, that my friend Pastor Dave is speaking at today in classic, also goes into this idea that the Bible Project video gets, gets at in Psalm 1. And that is, as we sit with the Psalms, the Psalms are what is called meditative literature. And what that means, again, it's not meant to be one and done. I read that, check. I go on to the next chapter, the next book of the Bible. No, never with scripture. It's meditative literature. Meaning you've read it, great, read it again. you read it twice, amazing, read it again. You've been reading it for the last 10 years, amazing, read it again. Because you're going to be different and the scriptures are going to hit you differently. And in fact, um, what, what Pastor Dave is speaking on today, Psalm 1 talks about this idea that people of God, the people of God are ones who meditate upon the scriptures day and night, or as the message rendition captures it in a more illustrative way. The people of God chew on the scriptures day and night. And that word chew is trying to get at the original language there, like a cow chews its cud, right? That's a pleasant thought Sunday morning. But the whole idea of the imagery is, as I am chewing, meditating, sitting with, being with God's word, I eat it up and I chew on it. Great, and I swallow Oh, that was good. Great, and I spit it up, I know, just go with me. Just like, I lived in Wisconsin for eight years, I've seen plenty of cows. But they do this, they keep chewing. Why do they do that? So they can get as much nutrients out of whatever they're eating as they can. And Psalm 1 says, we as followers of God, we as the people of God do that with the scriptures. And when we do that, what happens? We are like a tree replanted in the garden of Eden. And we bear this amazing fruit that gives testimony to the presence of God in our lives, available to those around us. Now for more, you're gonna have to listen to Pastor Dave's message, but hopefully I warmed you up. You can also consider double dipping next week, your 1045 crew, so come early and hear the nine o'clock service next week. And then come to the 10 to 45, your normal. So again, feel free to double dip throughout this series. Okay, shifting gears here a little bit. Have you ever seen one of those billboards where as you walk by, it changes, right? I've seen some where you walk by, it starts with a child, and then as you walk by, that child grows old. Or just the opposite, you walk by the other way, it's old and the child goes young. Or if you're driving on the road, which is always intriguing, there's part of the message you see, but as you drive by it, the message changes. Or the words become different as you drive by, which is an ADD guy like me, I'm always like, what? That's not a good thing, but I try to keep my eyes focused. In fact, some of these billboards are meant for height. There was a campaign in London at a bus stop, where if you were an adult, and you looked at the billboard, it had a certain message for you because you were at a certain perspective, a certain height. If you were a child or below a certain height level, you saw a different message. And this particular campaign in London was meant to bring needed resources and messages of hope to young people in abusive homes in discreet and clear ways. Now, Psalm 139 offers us a similar opportunity. Just like that billboard offers hope and encouragement and help, so too can this psalm. It will encourage you to keep doing what you are doing even more or you may receive a sting of revelation of what could be in light of what is and you have a choice to make whether you're going to hold on to it or let go and embrace a different way of life. There's an opportunity to grow in your own self-awareness. It's an opportunity to hear and discern how God might be seeking to transform you in the next days, weeks, and months ahead. You see, depending upon the condition of your soul this morning, depending upon the season you find yourself, and depending upon your intimacy with Jesus right here, right now, Psalm 139 will hit you differently than someone sitting next to you. And as you continue to return to it as intended, remember it's meditation literature. It will hit you differently even years later. And if I'm being honest, it's taken me a long while to truly appreciate the Psalms. I've always had an aversion to the Psalms. I I just never clicked with me. They would make me cringe more than they would provide hope and comfort. Uh, But over the last few years, especially due to circumstances that are literally beyond my control, I've really grown in my appreciation of the Psalms as I've grown in my understanding of what the Psalms truly are and what they're meant to offer. A few summers ago, as part of our summer reading group here at Christ Church, we read a book by Pastor Tish Harrison Warren's book, uh, Praying the Night. And I found what she shares here so very helpful as we approach the Psalms and as we are really enab- and has really enabled me to approach them in a way that has brought life. Uh, Tish writes, When we're drowning, when we need a lifeline, and our lifeline and grief cannot be mere optimism, that maybe our circumstances will improve, optimism that maybe our circumstances will improve, because we know that may not be true. We need Practices that don't simply soothe our fears or pain, but that teach us to walk with God in the crucible of our own fragility. She goes on to remind us that in times of deep darkness, the way makers that have kept me in the way of Jesus were the prayers and practices of the church. When I could not pray, the church said, here are prayers. When I could not believe, the church said, come to the table and be fed. When I could not worship, the church sang over me the language of faith. Folks, in essence, this is what the Psalms are all about. They are meant to be the prayer book of the people of God in need of hope, in need of words to live by when we are in a wilderness experience. Or even when we may not be in a wilderness, we're even celebrating. We celebrate with those who have gone before us. No matter where we are in our journey, the Psalms are there to meet us, to enable us to have words to join in with or to be our words when frankly, we just don't have the energy. When we frankly just do not see how God is here now. So in light of these dynamics of Psalms, I want to enable us to really engage in this way, in a more reflective way in what the Psalms are all about. And this morning, if I'm being honest, Psalm 139 leads me to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. So this is where the card comes in. And on the card, you're going to see five spaces. There's five movements we're going to work our way through. So each movement, as I read each movement, what I want you to do as you hear this movement being read, as you see the words on the screen, what hits you? If there's a word from that that hits you, write it down. If there's a feeling, you just feel whatever, you fill in the blank, write that feeling down and capture it in that moment. So movement one, here we go. Oh Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts, even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. So being honest, how do you hear this? How does this make you feel? How does it hit you? Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. What word did you write down on your card when you heard that, when you reflected on that? Do you find yourself actually saying what the psalmist says in verse six? They they are basically, their mind's blown, they're like, God, you are with me. This is amazing. I cannot believe you have examined my heart and you know me and you're still with me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It just is mind blowing. It's amazing, God, you are amazing. Do you find yourself there? The sobering reality is that many never view God looking at them in this way. It's just the opposite I find so many times. They hear that opening line and they cringe and they want to run in the bushes and hide like Adam and Eve did in the garden full of shame and fear and doubt. Now, please don't hear this as a condemnation. Don't hear this as a condemnation. Embrace it as a realization of this is where you are on your journey. That's a good thing. This is where I am with God right now for whatever reason. Okay, I get it. Now I can address certain things. But from this first movement, I want you to really hear and embrace the personal nature of how this is, is, is expressed. God, you have examined my heart. You know about me. You see me when I live my life. And you love me. And you want to know me. And you desire to examine me and you desire to be close to me. A key formational question to sit with for yourself is how do you believe God really views you? Think about it. How do, when he thinks of you, what's the first thing that enters God's mind? Now I want you to hold that answer in light of what we've been doing the last six weeks. And if you've been around here, we've been on our Lenten journey the last six weeks. A journey where, yes, we remembered the horrific cost of our sinful, self-focused choices, past, present, and future, the cost that that had on Jesus. Yes, we did that. But folks, do not miss. Do not miss how we also remembered and heard anew this year because we forget. Because we listen to other voices that creep in. Because we begin to take our cues, not from the scriptures, but from the world around us. Don't miss Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we cleaned ourselves up, not after we knew all the answers and didn't have any doubts or fears or questions, but while we had our backs turned and enjoying the muck as we do, yelling crucify with him with the crowd, Christ died for us. That right there, friends, is a clear sign of what God thinks of you. Make no mistake about it. Realize and really believe that Christ gave his life for us, not so God would love us, not to make us lovable, but to rescue us. Now, if you grew up in the church like I did, what is the first Bible verse you you memorized? Yeah, I heard it. John three sixteen, for God so loved the world, so that he gave his son. That is how that is how God views you, worth rescuing, worth bringing back to relationship, worth transforming. Now, how many of you have experienced rooted? Right, our 10-week discipleship program that we run a couple times a year, okay, a number of you. If you haven't, great. Seeds planted. Come September, sign up today. We'll remind you closer to the time, our next Rooted Series. One of the hardest weeks in the Rooted Series is week five. Because it's in week five, we, we face all those things in our life uh, head on. We face those ways in our life that are farthest from Jesus that don't look like Jesus or sound like Jesus in any way, shape, or form. And we call this week our strongholds week because we keep going back to those ways for whatever reason. And this week, a lot of muck tends to get stirred up about ourselves and what we think about ourselves. So one of the things we do, I have it here somewhere, because of that is we hand out this. Now, no matter what week five stirs up in us, that stronghold week, no matter what week that, and this stirs up a lot of garbage, believe me, but it's a powerful week. We hand this out to remind us right on top, my true identity. And everything on here double-sided is right from the scriptures that says who I truly am in Jesus from God's perspective. There's three I marked. I am God's masterpiece, Ephesians 2.10. I can call Christ brother, no matter what I think about myself. I can call Christ brother, Hebrews 2.11. Hear this, Christ calls me friend. Sit with that, John 15.15. And there's many, many more. Maybe best foot is whose we are. Each one of us is God's beloved son and daughter. This is our core Identity. And if I'm being honest, Psalm 139 leads me to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Movement two, have that paper ready. Here we go. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. To you, the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Again, how does this hit for you? And what does this tell you? Now, as I prep, message prep during the week when I'm speaking, um, uh, sometimes I'm a little more focused than others. So this must have been when I was a little less focused this last week. When I was reading this section, um, my mind as a good Gen Xer, of course, drifted to a certain 80s song, okay? And so, yeah, I followed that drifting in my monkey brain to, over to YouTube and I looked up on YouTube, Hall and Notes private eyes because that's what was going through my head. Tracy, you with me? Yeah. Um, So anyway, I follow there, and I kid you not, I kid you not, here is the first comment on that video on YouTube. This is the first comment. Here's what it said, what someone posted. The Lord our God and his eyes are watching us. He is watching everything we do and is watching us, in all caps now, every move, every single day. And then said, Oh, yeah, great song, love it. Now, here's my point in sharing this. I don't believe this is the intention of the psalmist here. I, I, that's not what they had in mind. As in, God is watching us, so don't you dare screw up. Because he's watching you in this creepy way. And if you're a far side fan, there's this great far side picture of uh, God in heaven, and he has his finger over the smite button. And this guy's walking underneath a piano and he's like ready to smite him. It's not how God is. Verse 7, folks, isn't said in exasperation, but inspiration and comfort. God, no matter what happens to me, God, no matter how I feel, no matter what is going on in my world, God, no matter how depressed I might feel right now, no matter how dark it might be around me, none of that hides me from you. You are with me whether I see it or not. God, that is comfort, that is security, that is hope, that can be peace. Now on a more focused day this last week, I had the inspiration to say, hey, let me look up in my journal and see if I've ever written on Psalm 139 in the past. Now, I keep a digital journal. One of the perks of keeping a digital journal, which is one of the reasons I do it, is I can just go in and do a search, Psalm 139. And I was actually pleasantly surprised by what popped up. And here's what I wrote. I wrote this July of 2013, so nearly 10 years ago. Again, meditative literature on this passage. I've been meditating on this and sitting with this passage in different ways for over 10 years. And it's still hitting me. It's still challenging me. Here's what I wrote 10 years ago. There's an interesting experience with this passage. In one sense, I desire these to be my words through and through. Yet there is still enough of my false self, my glittering image. And what that means is the facade I put up in front of you to have you like me. That's false self glittering image. If you want to know more, let's go to breakfast and we'll have coffee. Yet there's enough of my false self, my glittering image that shrinks back at this for fear of totally losing control. From the perspective of this psalm though, I can be free to allow God access like this to my life, I wrote, knowing that God already knows my innermost secret thoughts in all their bare horrific glory. And yet God still desires to know me And I wrote, that brings freedom and peace in and of itself. The devotional guide I was using then poised this question to me. How open am I to receiving this intimacy that is found in Psalm 139? And again, very insightful and very challenging again for me. I I answered, very, when? Very, I do want this, when I allow the truth of God's loving acceptance to embrace me first. When that happens first, however, when I operate from a position of making myself worthy, showing my worthiness to God, I never want this kind of intimacy from God to come close because I know I'm never good enough, I wrote, and feel that the weight of God's gaze is too much. But when I allow God's embrace to embrace me first, I am freed to live and say, yes, God, come. This is good. I want you near. Because I know no matter what's in my life, you love me now and lead me to more. So yeah, if I'm being honest, Psalm 139 leads me to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Third movement, have that paper card ready. Here we go. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God, They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. Adele Calhoun, who used to be a pastor on staff here, and was actually, I had her for grad school during a summer course at Wheaton uh, a long time ago now. Um, She writes these provocative words and asks us these provocative questions. What is David's opinion of his body? What is God's view of the body? What is your view of your own body? Talk to God frankly about how you feel about your body and listen to what God wants to say to you. Plan a quiet time in a safe space, Adele continues, where you can thank God for your body, stand before a mirror, and thank God for every part of you. What wounds does this touch? What is it like for you to do this? Now, I know for some Right now, just thinking about this, it's difficult. But again, this is what the scriptures are for, what the Psalms are for, and and they help us see perhaps lies and half truths, truths that are keeping us from fully enjoying the life that God invites us into so freely. They keep uh, anything, those half truths that keep us from embracing how we view ourselves or how we view others as we should because of God's grace and love in our life and all around us, and are you beginning to understand and feel how if I'm being honest, Psalm 139 leads me to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Fourth movement, have those cards ready. Here it goes. Oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked, Get out of my life, you murderers, they blaspheme you, your enemies misuse your name. Oh Lord, shouldn't I hate those who hate you? Shouldn't I despise those who oppose you? Yes, I hate them with total hatred for your enemies are my enemies, God. Now for some of you, I know you're about to jump out of your seats and say, yes, finally a part of the Psalm I can get behind. Be honest. So there's a technical term for these types of psalms, these portions that you find throughout the psalms, right? The technical term is called imprecatory psalms, right? It even sounds like bad, doesn't it? Imprecatory, it's the kick them in the teeth, call down judgment, I can't wait till they get theirs, I'm gonna stand here and cheer. And you find them all over the psalms. Now here's this, this is what I want us to consider and reflect on. I'm not gonna solve this for us here, but I do wanna point us a way to engage us in how it's hitting us and what our response is. I want us to focus on that. Think of this last week. This last week was amazing, wasn't it, weather-wise? I mean, I, w- I rode my bike actually four times, 10 mile round trip. I know, some of you are like, seriously? I, yeah, I did, for real. I know, if you know me, that's like that was, that was an achievement. And the blue skies, bright sun, right? There wasn't a cloud in the sky any of those days I rode. It was amazing. One of those days, I come in my backyard. I'm recovering from the ride. I go in my back door, and I literally had to stop because it was so dark. And I'm like, okay, well, yeah, what's happening? Am I passing out? Maybe I'm pushing a little too much. This is the third day in a row. You know what I mean? But nothing else was different in that hallway from days before. What was the only difference? the time I spent in the sun. The more time I spent in the brightness of the sun when I entered a dark space, it was all the darker. You with me? Here, David is so focused on the amazing brightness of who God is and how he's in his life that when he looked at the, he paused for a moment, looked at the world around him and said, Oh, man, this place is screwed up. God, we got to do something about this. That is what is happening here. Now, I share this with us. I lay this over my own life because as I'm ready to cheer for them to get theirs, is it coming from a place that, yeah, I want to get theirs. I want to kick them in the teeth. God, use me. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't really sound or look like Jesus. Or is it coming from a place you are so focused upon the beauty of who God is that you are praying in the way of Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your way be done. Because you see the beauty of who Jesus is and as you look at your workers, your, your coworkers around you, as you look at your neighborhood, as you look at the world around us, as you read the news, you go, man, Jesus, this is not looking anything Like how beautiful you are. Can we do something about this? Let's do something about this. Folks, as I sit with Psalm 139, it leads me to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Brings us to our last movement. And one, if you've been around the church for a while, it might sound very familiar. It's one of the more uh, better known psalm portions. Have that card ready? Here we go. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. And the question. What would compel you to pray a prayer like that on a regular basis? You're like, I don't nothing because I don't, don't, don't want to pray a prayer like that. That's the point. Here is what David's doing. Again, he's been so focused on the goodness and beauty and presence of God in his life. And then he thinks about all that beauty that he's been experiencing, how all that he's been expressing this whole psalm. He ends it by saying, God, I don't want anything to get in the way of this. Keep it going. God, search me. And if there's anything in my life that prevents what I have in you, get it out because what I've been experiencing in you is just too good to leave the chance. So I'm praying, God, search me, tell me, show me, and I'm gonna get rid of it so I can fully embrace you and you can fully embrace me and lead me in the way of everlasting life. That's what is happening in this prayer. That is what's happening as he wraps up this psalm so as we wrap up today together, here's what I want you to do this week with this psalm. It's gonna be no surprise, hopefully. I want you to sit with it again and again. And I want you to take what I've shared, what you've written on that card, what the Holy Spirit's been poking you about, and I want you to return to this psalm over and over again This week, reread it. You don't have to read the whole thing. Read it in portions. Perhaps break it up just like we did here this morning. And each time you do, begin perhaps with the two verses at the end. Write them out and place them somewhere. So through as you live the everyday moments of your life, you are constantly going back to, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Again, you're not doing this out of shame or remorse, but out of intentionality and love, growing in your desire for God to have more of your life because when that happens, you have more of God's life in yours. And what is the outcome of that? Well, we've heard it all morning. It's exactly what David's been saying. And imagine this. Imagine if we lived in the reality and freedom that is vividly expressed in Psalm 139. Imagine the freedom if we truly believe that God knows our secret thoughts and still desires to be with us. Imagine the joy that comes from knowing God knew me and crafted me and was with me even before my parents knew me. Imagine the security and comfort that comes from knowing that there is nowhere I can go, there is nothing I can think, there is nothing I can do that God is not with me. In the muck, in the doubt, in the questions, in the fear. Imagine the impact and influence that can happen through loving God more and more and how it makes me all the more sensitive to the absence of that love in the world around me to such an extent that I wanna do something about it. I wanna reach out and do something about that so others can experience what I'm experiencing here with God in the center of my life. Imagine how believing that God truly loves me and does have the best plan for my life compels me to allow God free access to my life so nothing would hinder me and full, from fully experiencing and knowing the life God has planned for me. Imagine how if I'm being honest, Psalm 139 leads me to a more intimate relationship with Jesus. Let me pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your invitation to be with us here and now. We thank you for your desire to grow us beyond who we are and what we are here and now to be used of you in this world around us. So Lord, may we continue to lay our life before you. May we continue to be fixated not on ourselves, not on the world, but on you. And let that drive everything we do. In the name I pray, amen.